Welcoming, coming to you from the Concurrent Media Studio in the heart of Citrus County. However, you're making this part of your day, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, through the Concurrent mobile app or website, I am sure glad you're joining back both the County Commission and myself. Them after a three-week hiatus, me after just one week off. Uh, Last Tuesday, I was in the hospital with my wife and brand new baby, Genevieve Claire Winsler, Evie for short. Five pounds, 13 ounces, small but mighty, uh, both mama and baby doing great. Uh, Her umbilical cord just fell off today. Something that I thought was going to be terribly scary as a father to cut. I didn't know that a little part of it stays in and then falls off later. I thought I may have screwed up the baby for life at the very onset, but there will be plenty more opportunities in time for that later. Uh, What a ride it's been so far. The Republican Executive Committee, uh, which is the official party structure of the Republican Party here in Citrus, does have elections upcoming. I'm not going to get into the inner workings of an otherwise private organization here, uh, but I will break down the results once they happen because I do think some of the races are meaningful to the direction that the local party is headed. Instead, let's talk public notices. No, just kidding. I will save you from this miserable topic as it appears that a memo from County Administrator Randy Oliver sent to commissioners uh, said that the clerk's office would not be able to handle public notices as cheaply as the Chronicle does, thus making this a moot point. The commission is likely going to comply with this legal addendum uh, that says notices can only be moved electronically if it can be done for cheaper, which it, it appears that it cannot. So if we're not going to talk public notices, what are we going to discuss? Uh, I will get back to that in a breakdown of the Chronicle commentary that's coming to you in about five minutes. Uh, But before we get to that, let's think about this. There are no universal truths. Do you agree with this? There are no universal truths. This assertion is made every year to thousands of freshman philosophy students Uh, those who don't leave the class and change their major, then come to learn that this assertion is actually a punchline. It's a bad joke. Claiming there are no universal truths is essentially false. And I use that word essentially in the philosophical definition, not as a rhetorical placeholder, meaning the essential elements of truth in the statement are contradictory to its proclamation. Now, Now, what does that mean? Claiming there are no universal truths is, by definition, itself a universal truth. Let's see. My notes say, uh, pause for laughter here. Okay, so it's not laugh-out-loud funny type of punchline, but it is exactly the type of humor that you get from philosophers. Uh, Shifting from philosophy to politics and, and even the media, though, it's surprising how many situations the latter two try to deal with in absolutes, like there are no universal truths. It must be all one way. There are no universal truths instead of varying degrees in another way. Because even if something is all one way, it can be varying degrees in intensity in that way. So let's break this down with examples. Here's one. 
Uh, I usually have a high number of students in my classes who have taken at least one other class with me. Uh, I teach several different levels. They like the uh, classroom experience they have. They come back. This natural familiarity that I have with them may lead to the appearance of favoritism. So I'd be sure to tell all of my students up front, the new ones and the repeat ones, uh, that I don't play favorites. I dislike all my students equally. That's setting the baseline of varying degrees. Um, and then we flip it back to how you can enjoy something. I say, and you might grow to like this class in varying degrees, but you'll never dislike this class. So not everyone will like it equally. Not everyone will like it quite as much. Some might like it more, but everyone will like it. Unlike me, who dislikes all my students equally. You get the idea. Last week, I made the claim in a column that government should not be run like a business. We should disabuse ourselves of this notion, and, and truthfully, I think it's become an easy catchphrase that some people use to sound smart, sort of like tryptophan in turkeys makes you sleepy. It doesn't. It's the blood redirecting to your stomach to aid in digestion from overeating on Thanksgiving that makes you sleepy, uh, or to protect your kids from things put in your Halloween candy, which is much more urban myth than standard practice. Uh, government should not run like a business. It, it shouldn't. National government should provide defense, and more local governments should provide infrastructure. And outside of that, everything else is up for debate. Uh, let's take Visit and Enterprise Florida, for example, two state-level organizations for tourism and business promotion. Philosophically, I'm against both of them. All Republicans should be. It's outside the scope of what government should be doing. But they stick around in large part because both of them can point to being profit generators. Something like two and a half cents is returned to local governments for every one cent of taxpayers spent in Visit Florida. Uh, those numbers might be off a little bit, but you get the idea. So even so, it's just an example of a big government program, and it doesn't really have a place in being taxpayer-funded at all, not as far as Republican philosoph uh, philosophy goes. There's plenty of trade organizations, potential nonprofits, that could act as promoting entities funded by interested parties, not by everyone's tax dollars. Stay with me now, because uh, this is the part where it gets complicated. You thought that part was already over. This is an example of people who are saying that government should run like a business pointing to a reason to keep those organizations around, those organizations I disagree with, even though they run counter to Republican principles because it promotes big government. Some Republicans are over will or willing to overlook the idea that it promotes big government because you have a return on investment that those organizations are producing, and that's government running like a business. Okay, now let's do a hard shift into this. The salary for the new county administrator is out, and boy, is there an uproar. How could the commission offer him nearly $200,000 base with generous time off beyond that? This isn't fair. It's nothing like the compensation I got for doing my job, and I worked harder. That's what most of the sound off is saying. I get that, except here we are again. There are no absolutes. Government should not run like a business uh, until it should. 
And this is one instance in which I think it should. Executive compensation has been a target of uh, government since the 1990s, uh, though the recent staggering growth of tech companies has lifted all other industries to compete. So executive compensation has been in the headlines uh, constantly. Some executive packages are excessive, but the bottom line is if you want to get top talent, you have to be competitive in paying for top talent. All you government should run like a business promoters hailing Visit Florida and Enterprise Florida for their return on investment quickly change your tune when it comes to personnel salaries, which arguably could have an even greater return on investment as a skilled administrator is worth $27,000 more than the previous one was making when operating a $400 million budget in the savings that could be provided there. Now, my goal here is not to call out hypocrisy unless, of course, it is my own. I don't think government should run like a business until it comes to paying for top talent who can produce their own returns. But I think equally people who do think that government should run like a business shy away from the hard decisions that the commission will have to make when it comes to recruiting their top talent. There are no universal truths, and that's no longer a laughing matter. I'll end this topic with uh, another title of a past uh, concurrent column. Just pay Steve Howard. Getting to topic two, but first, uh, I've heard from some people asking how they can support the podcast. Well, the first thing you can do is tell your friends about it, share it on social media. Next thing you can do is to click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening. Uh, Apple Podcasts, for example. If you're feeling really generous, uh, drop a rating based on whatever value you think you get from the show. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. I don't have much to say about uh, the second topic, so I'll make it brief. Much of the commentary was based in the public notice debate, uh, which should be settled about an hour and a half from now without much controversy, so it doesn't feel like it needs much time to be spent on it here. Uh, Again, it will be settled because the Chronicle can print it for cheaper than what the clerk's office could host it for. This may feel counterintuitive, though the numbers from Clerk Angela Vick and her staff have always been impeccable, uh, but it is just really cheap to run the notices. Uh, In the commentary from Chronicle, publisher Trina Murphy said that her costs barely cover the staff work, uh, the newsprint, and the ink that's used to get the notices out. That line stuck out to me because I believe it to be true, but then I also don't know why the Chronicle's fighting so hard to keep them. The paper only prints a certain number of pages each day, limiting the amount of space available to run ads. Therefore, you would want to use the limited space, uh, the print space, to run the most profitable ads, which are the private ads, because public notices are decidedly not it. Uh, My guess is that the paper doesn't always have enough content to fill, so they use house ads or wire stories, um, and that the public notices do act as space fillers that at least are some income coming in, But uh, it does provide a much greater service to the public than what the cost to the taxpayer is. That's my opinion. And if you watch the commission meetings after one of these notices, then I think you would agree. However, it was just strange to see the full court press, the the life or death response from the Chronicle, to defend something that was otherwise treated as a low source of revenue. Either way, I think it will be resolved in a way that is a win for the taxpayers, in a way that is a win for the paper, and we'll see all that about an hour and a half from now. 
That's all from the Bobby Winslow Show. Follow the Concurrent on social media for the latest updates. And we'll be back next Tuesday at noon. If you want to join this conversation, find us on social, the Concurrent Facebook, Twitter, go to the Concurrent website, post on our discussion boards. The Bobby Winslow Show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, and the Concurrent website. See you next week.